0: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash Acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com slash Acast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? It's
2: negative 10 outside, and that's the warmest it's been in a week.
1: Winter Um, winter is harsh, folks. We both live in a place where the air hurts our face. (laughs)
2: Yeah, um, I'm very, very cold and alone in the dark. Um, and it's not a survival game or anything. It's just life. <laughs> so, you know, you can't like get an immediate power up if you kill an elk or something. In fact, it's frowned upon, mainly because there aren't any real elks. There were teepee up here. And then there's moose up here.
1: Moose are I don't scary. know why I'm
2: talking about this. Yeah, moose are scary, but let's, let's not get scary. into that because we'll just be doing the show about that. Well, so.
1: it'll be moose watch by the end of it because yeah. Uh, but we're gonna we're not gonna be talking about moose or 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 being alone in the dark. Although some of these questions might go alone in the dark, I don't know. I haven't. Uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do it live and see what the responses are. Uh, but if you do have questions for this show or any of our other podcasts, we do want to encourage you to send them in. Uh, you can go ahead and send those into podcasts at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter, you can go to our discord. There is a Patreon queue and podcast questions channel. You can go ahead and put them in there. We tend to look there first for questions from our Patreon supporters as a way of saying thank you. Um, and then, if you can't support us there and you don't like to do the email thing, we do have a Q Questions channel set aside for you to put your questions in. We will look there for podcast questions as well. Uh, one thing we've been talking about a little bit in the back end here this is Liz, uh, myself, Matt, uh, and Dan. Uh, we've talked about possibly branching out Lore Watch into other franchises. So, I'm going to give all of you an opportunity here. I want you to ask us lore questions about your favorite video games. Anything that you think that we may have played or things that you want to know more about. Matt and I have spent a very long time playing story-driven video games, as I'm sure many of you have, and we tend to have opinions and thoughts and theories as much on those as we do with World of Warcraft. So if you want us to go into any of that stuff, you have questions about games, whether it's Mass Effect, Dragon Age, uh, I could probably sit here and name a thousand Assassin's Creed games that are are worth talking about. But if you want us to, to talk about them, or if you want us to go into details, or if you have questions about them, Go ahead and send them in. Let's see what we get from you out there, our listeners. Guys, uh, seriously, seriously, if you just ask me the
2: question about Assassin's Creed lore, oh my god, I have this thing I can tell I, you. It's it's been bubbling in my head for like years now. I I just just ask it, please, please ask me the question. Okay, go ahead.
1: No, no, that's okay. We 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 want to branch out a little bit more, and this is your opportunity to direct what topics we talk about and what games we talk about. So please. Take this opportunity to send in those questions to us. We'll be here waiting. But without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into some questions from you, our wonderful listeners. First up is from Cenaroth, and this has to do with, well... Uh, Sylvanas and the cinematic, something we talked about last week, which we did an entire episode on in case you missed it. Go back and listen to it. I thought it was really good, but question for lore watch. Did Uther and Sylvanas ever interact during the third war? The new cinematic makes it seem like she has n- no idea who he is until he mentioned it. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode, but no, their paths never crossed in life.
2: Like if you, if you go back and like, look at every Warcraft game, um, it's extremely difficult to find any real evidence of the two of them even meeting. Like if they, you know, even spent any time in the same room. That, I mean, the only by the time she became Ranger General, it was halfway through the Second War, and Uther was very busy elsewhere. Um, and the Third War, there's no interaction between the two of them. Uh, if you go and watch Warcraft Three, I mean, I could be wrong. Do, do you remember anything? No, I don't remember. There's anything.
1: no interactions between them at all because at, you got to think about. With everything that's going on, the two events that occur uh, that are major milestones or major stories happen individually to them, whether it's Uther dealing with, with Arthas and that whole thing, and then Arthas marching north and that was separate because as a ranger general she didn't really she didn't persecute war per se her charge was protecting the elven homelands so she didn't leave that area she didn't go off to other places and there really was no reason for the humans to go north at this point because we weren't in the the war hadn't officially started yet right this is yeah, the all- only
2: the only time that they would have had even a chance to interact is the second war and it was Toralian who went up north. Wasn't yes. Uther.
1: Yes. Now, so, now I'm pretty sure that they knew each other by reputation because that oh was, yeah,
2: they would have yeah because he would have known Alaria and the, I mean they, they would have known by name who the other person was, but they'd never met.
1: Yeah, and with and like you're saying with Toralian going north, there's zero chance he didn't mention Uther. Right, there, there's, there's no chance that that they didn't know that each other existed. They just never saw each other. It's like, it's like Matt and I. We, we've never met each other face to face. Right, we've talked, yeah. we've talked for years, years and years and years and years. But I wouldn't recognize Matt uh, in person until he said, "Hi, I'm Matt." Right, like it, it's just one of those things. So they, I would
2: actually recognize Joe because I've seen more pictures of. Yes, but I'm like a yeti. I don't, I don't come out in front of cameras if I can avoid it. <laughs> Usually, if if a picture of me has been taken, it's because my wife wanted a picture of the two of us, and I don't want to make her feel bad, so I I let her take my picture for those. But otherwise, no, I hide from cameras.
1: But that's that's where it is with them. Uh, so that's why when you're you're seeing them face to face in that cinematic yeah. for the first time, that is literally them meeting face to face. Is why she has that look on her face, like are you like
2: yeah she she has no idea who this this good dude is she knows it's a human but that's basically it until he starts explaining who he is yeah like and and uh also by the time she became like as arthas was marching north into quelthalas which is the last memory that sylvanas has um they would have known who arthas was obviously Mm -hmm. and arthas's they would have known Uthor as as a victim of Arthas because Arthas had killed him, and that was that was common knowledge. Like as he's marching north, she would have recognized that you know Arthas had killed Uthor first. Like they were aware of it. That's why they had their defenses up. They were watching what was going on in Lordaeron. Um, so she would have known that Uthor was killed by Arthas. But that's there's there yeah. Like I Joe has already said, there's no direct interaction between the two of them ever that we know of.
1: Uh, so hopefully that answers your question. Uh, if you have more uh, about that, obviously let us know. But I think it's pretty cut and dry for the most part. Our next question comes from our friend Eric. Uh Greetings to Bolvar's frozen servants. I mean, I'm, I don't know if we serve Bolvar. I think we're more like acquaintances at this point. Uh, Giving credit to Baylor for doing a brief history of WoW recently, he reminded me of the Curse of Flesh. Given that the races in large part come from Titan constructs, Stormforged, Vrykrul, etc., a lot of these races were machine, stone, anything but flesh. How do the Shadowlands factor into this? If a machine breaks, fix it. If a stone falls, rebuild it. Were the Shadowlands created because of the Curse of Flesh, or did Azerothians only recently start coming to the Shadowlands? One of the things that is key when talking about Titans and Titan constructs and why they did what they did, particularly with Azeroth, is spirit. It's one of the elements that doesn't get talked a lot of, uh, about a lot anymore. It used to be very core central to sort of how everything worked in the universe. It was actually like a fifth element that was uh, communed with by Shaman, right? It, it was this thing that was ever-present and when they happened upon Azeroth, they had these elementals that were consuming the spirit. And so they created their their, their machines, their watchers, to after their persecution of the war to, to get everything under control, to sort of funnel that spirit energy back into Azeroth so that Azeroth could continue to grow and gestate.
2: Well, I mean, keep in mind, too. I'm simplifying
1: uh, it, but please. Yeah, well,
2: yeah, but keep in mind, too, it, it, a big thing is that if you compare a world with a Titan soul to a world without a Titan soul, so we'll use Azeroth and Draenor for our examples here. Um, Azeroth had a Titan soul or a world soul, I should say, because there's actually some debate as to whether or not it's a Titan. Um, Azeroth had a world soul, which was devouring as much spirit as it could get, Mm -hmm. which meant that the, the the elementals were fighting over the scraps, but Draenor didn't have a world soul. And thus the spirit energy generated by a living planet just went out into the world and the elementals could get as much as they wanted, mm-hmm. and so if you look at Azeroth elementals versus Draenor's elementals, uh, Draenor's elementals are are much more, for lack of a better word, peaceful. They oh. they they work together better.
1: But also look at look at the uh, when you're talking about Draenor. Look at the primals. Yeah. You can't you the primals can't-
2: and the breakers. Yeah, that's not the elementals. That's this next stage of organization. Sure, uh, it's. In terms of the elementals, that's the difference between Azeroth and Draenor. Draenor had the then problem that there was so much spirit energy that it began generating out-of-control plant growth. And the plant growth was becoming, for lack of a better word, sapient. Like, this stuff thinks. The plants were, like, thinking and growing together and moving out of control. Like, if you look at Azeroth, it's much more controlled. And it's interesting to think about, it's possible that worlds without world souls very rarely make it Mm -hmm. because this out of control spirit energy is just too much. And it's only worlds that have a world soul in them have a better chance of getting to a certain point of organization where like, it's interesting that on Azeroth, the elementals were in continuous strife, but the Emerald dream exists seems to have existed before even the Titans show up. Mm -hmm. And it's a place where nature can germinate more freely without turning into a writhing mass trying to annihilate the planet. So, yeah, there's a lot to spirit that we don't really understand yet. Mm. I honestly find myself wondering if spirit is supposed to be anima.
1: And I think it is to a certain extent. And I think that's where kind of all this starts to tie in. And that's kind of that's where the next part that I was going to go. One of the things that you look at when you see a lot of the creations of the Titans is that they are also they're sentient. They have emotions. They have thoughts. They have independent personalities. Look at the Watchers. Look at the whole story of the betrayal with, with everything that happened there, the corruption by the old gods. There's a certain element of, I believe, an amount of that spirit, although I don't think it's ever actually been confirmed, that's essentially used to power them, It like Anima does, like Anima does all the constructs of the Shadowlands. And I I think that's part of it, because they're not just broken machines. They are living creatures. They're just living creatures made out of a different material. And when they die, we don't know this for sure, but either they get fed back into the Azerothian machine when it's working properly, but now with so much of it's broken, they probably transition to the Shadowlands where they their anima gets stripped and everything happens exactly as we've seen the cycle supposed to be. And for all we know, that's the natural order of things. That's how it's supposed to happen. And that's part of the Titans that they've played in that cycle. Go through the universe, ordering planets, finding other world souls, putting constructs down, generating life, because we know that they do this. They've done this on planets without world souls. Look at look at the breakers on uh, Draenor. Generate life that uses that spirit, that gains experience, that becomes a fully formed person that does eventually die. Now, this is where it gets a little bit, I don't want to say esoteric or weird, but this is one of those things that they've never actually confirmed and we haven't really talked too much about, and that is the curse of flesh itself in terms of what it actually is. The old gods claim that they're the ones that gave it out, that the curse of flesh is because of them. Matt, myself, and Anne have posited a long time ago that what if the Curse of Flesh isn't actually a curse, but it is a natural state of evolution?
2: I mean, there's actually a thing when you when you go to uh, Aldamon mm-hmm. and get the original discs of Norganon, the original discs of Norganon. Keep in mind, the ones at Aldamon are the ones that were stolen from Loken yes. to keep him from corrupting them. So those are the discs of Norganon. The ones up in in uh, Alduar are the tainted ones that Loken j- deliberately altered. When you get them, they talk about how in most worlds, the Titans don't use rock and stone to create their constructs.
1: They did it here because they had a they had a particular war to wage, right?
2: Yeah. They needed a specific type of, you know, they, they talk about how they needed resilient servitors to shape the world. And that implies that eventually they would have segued into flesh beings. And that's one of the things that I keep, if, if the old gods made the curse of flesh, if they made it. What is it that they made? What is the curse?
1: But and, like, and that's and that's and, always the part that that threw me off because yeah. the old gods don't create anything; they convert and corrupt, but they yeah. don't actually create.
2: But they can, I could, they could make a curse. But maybe the thing is, is what is the curse? Is the curse just activating the you know everyone should go flesh now mode early? Like, you know, is that just something that would have happened naturally, but the old gods are like, okay, we're just going to turn it on now because now we can corrupt them more easily Mm -hmm. if they're fleshy. Um, There's a lot of different possibilities here. One of the things that keeps coming up to me, though, is the fact that the Mogu, quote unquote, reverse engineered it. Yeah. They didn't have access to like an old god to study. That's that was happening at other parts of the world.
0: But they had access to anima.
2: They had access to anima. But more importantly. They had access to Titan facilities.
1: Yep. Titan facilities with, a like uh, I was just in there, the Mogushan palace, right? Mm -hmm. You go through it. It's a giant Titan facility on a giant pool of, of anima go to uh, the throne of thunder. It is a giant Titan facility on a pool of anima. There's literally a section where you go through and there's just rivers of anima.
2: And also when you're going through it, what is the Mogushan vaults is not a vault. No, it wasn't made to be a vault at all. It's a, it's a, another forge. Yeah. It makes mogu. Yeah. So they, when they say they reverse engineered the curse of flesh, how do you reverse engineer the curse of flesh when you're just studying Titan stuff? Well, if the quote unquote curse of flesh is just activating something that's going to happen anyway, then you can go, oh, here's the, here's this part that activates that. We can shut that off. We can, we can tell it not to, to activate. You know what I mean? Like that, it seems like one of the possibilities for the, because of all the, of all the people who showed the, uh, Tolvier how to like, there were specific Tolvier who, who joined Deathwing and he showed them how to become stone again. Now he does, he did have access to all gods, but he was also the earth warder Like it's very possible that just because he he, he and, um, oh, I want to say Norganen, but I can't remember if it was Norganen or, do you remember who empowered Deathwing off the top of your head?
1: Uh, I want to say it was, uh,
2: was it an I don't know. I you keep can talking, I'll look Norgan. it up. All right. But he, cause he was a, you know, cause he was an aspect cause he was empowered by a Titan. Uh, it's entirely possible that Deathwing simply knew the the activate and deactivate codes and he could just tell you how to turn it off. That's just something I keep thinking about because it's like, as Joe pointed out, the old gods aren't like they it it doesn't feel fair to say they're not creative, but they don't create. I I think that's, that's a good thing to point out. They, they mutate things, they twist things, they alter things, but they're not really good at making new things. So it doesn't feel like they would have invented this whole new thing and injected it into people when it would have been much easier to use something that was already there. Um, that is the kind of thing they do. So yeah, the, the whole thing with the, uh, curse of flesh is a fascinating thing to think about. I don't, Personally, think that the Shadowlands exists because of the Curse of Flesh. Because um, there's some spoilers for nine point two, yeah, that I'm think... not necessarily want to talk about right this second. But let me just say that I want you to look at the name of the world we're talking about. It's Azeroth, right? Where are we going in nine point two? Zereth Mortis, mm-hmm. Zereth Azeroth, kind of similar, a little bit. You know, there's there's something to be considered in the concept of. We've heard it said before that Azeroth is kind of like the center of the cosmology. It's the center of the Warcraft universe. Uh, it's important and it might be important for more reasons than we understand. So I'm just going to put that out there in terms of the Curse of Flesh and the Titans and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it, you you you're ready to go? Okay, you're here. Good. Yeah, you no, go.
1: it, it's one of those things that we, I, I think about it a lot uh, as far as like in terms of uh, Many years, uh, God, it's years at this point, man, I feel old. I, I presented that the universe almost seems like a computer program, the way that everything is ordered. Everything has a function, everything has a flow, and everything was put in place and then basically set to move. So we're going to find out more about that with Zareth Mortis and find out more about it. But we know that the Shadowlands, ha- they've existed for for eons. We know that the first ones ordered the cosmos to begin with and set everything in motion. We don't know specifics about it, but we know that 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 they sort of like did the programming, they did the beta testing, and they got everything out there and they put those systems in place for whatever purpose. And the titans are a part of that in some capacity. The titans didn't order the universe. The titans were born, but if the first ones created the universe, then it is Almost safe to assume, and I'm not going to say that it is safe because I'm not 100% confident that they can't swerve this if they really wanted to, that the Titans were in turn created by the first ones as a specific part of the mechanism. And like Matt pointed out with everything else, I think the quote unquote curse of flesh is part of that mechanism. I think things need to live, they need to die. That's part of the cycle because that's everything, right? If the Shadowlands existed beforehand, the created by the the first ones, the universe was created by the first ones, and they wanted that cycle to happen. Having immortal creatures that can never die and never pass into the Shadowlands doesn't do them a service if everything is immortal. So you have the Titans who are supposed to be, for all intents and purposes, functionally immortal, uh, even though we know that that's not entirely true. Thanks, Argus. Um, they create creations that use spirit, generate personality a life accumulate power through memories through experiences through identity through all of the things we see in shadowlands uh, whether it's pride whether it's sense of duty whether it is those memories which are power they are stripped from people in bastion or were uh, and they were sources of power and anguish whether they are, are sins that they carry with them to revendreth you can't do that if one you you can't live and two, you can't die. So the Curse of Flesh always seemed like a natural state of being, that when things were ordered and when things were cleaned up, you would essentially take off the hazmat suit, become a being of flesh, and transition to a mortal cycle. Everything would then go back to whatever it had been before the Void decided to start messing with things. And that would sort of complete the process so to me the curse of flesh has always been an acceleration of a natural process something that they found in the code almost like a data miner going through a pre-patch or or an expansion with the beta builds and pulling out data with no context all gods have been doing this for a long time they've been tapped into azeroth for a long time before the titans got there they were there they were burrowing into it who knows what they were able to glean from that? Who knows what they were able to, to figure out from, from that because that's their job. Their job is to tear apart and debug the code and find out how they can exploit it. It would just make sense that they were like, oh, this is useful. Flip the switch. It's also a lot easier in that cycle when you start looking at uh, the the way that things go. The older somebody gets, even in, in in World of Warcraft, a lot of the times the more set in their ways they are. A lot hard, It's a lot harder to move them from one position to another. It's just a reality. We kind of get sedentary and set in. Children don't have that problem. Children can be swayed. Younger folks can be swayed a lot easier because they're a lot more flexible in their thinking. Well, if everything is immortal at this point, and I flip the switch to start this flesh cycle, they have children. Uh, Maybe we could start worming our way into their brains now, start dropping those seeds, and if it fails, it doesn't take hold. Well, they're going to grow up, have kids, and die anyway, so we'll just try again. And then try again and then try again. So that's what I always thought of the, the Curse of Flesh. And that's kind of where I am with it. I think it's just a natural part of it. I think it's it's a part of the code that they just sort of activated throughout there. And it was always meant to be part of the cycle. Whew, all right. Anything else to add to that one?
2: <laughs> uh, nothing that I can talk about right now. I don't think.
1: Yeah, we, there's a lot of other stuff that Matt and I could go into that would be a whole lot of 9.2 spoilers. So we're not going to do that. But maybe in the future. Uh, our next question comes from Arvis, Arvis. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Again, folks, if you want me to pronounce your names right, just go ahead and give me a, a phonetic pronunciation like somebody somebody did later on in the, the email here. And I'm going to be I'm very happy about that. Uh, on page 159 of Chronicle, volume two, there's a picture of Alliance forces battling the De- the Death Knights at the front of the Alliance lines is a woman without a helm wielding a two handed sword. She looks epic. Her armor, particularly her pauldrons, look different from everyone else's. Theories on who she is? Oh, and look at that. I should have read a little bit further. Name is pronounced Erevis. Matt, what do you think of that one?
2: I think he can pronounce his name Erevis if he wants to.
1: (laughs) The Death Knights, you silly.
2: I, I mean, I don't think there's anything anywhere to tell us who that person is. I don't think the art was intended to be a specific person. I just thought it was meant to be an illustration of the Alliance fighting off the Death Knights. Uh, the ones that served the Horde. Um, I mean, I have some theories. I mean, one of the things that I keep coming up on is let's bring Joanna Blueheart back. So I would like it to be her. That would be a cool thing. Um, another possibility would be, um, you know, uh, uh, I honestly don't know of any other really famous female characters. It, I mean, it could have been Mara Fordragon, I suppose, but she didn't fight in the front ranks like that. She she helped get everybody out of Stormwind. She's the
1: one that like led the uh, survivors up you- to Lordaeron. You might not be far off, though. And I've been thinking about this. Like one of the things not to totally not to interrupt and I apologize, but like this is a thought that just sprung into my brain. A lot of times medieval art was representative, not of like an actual event, but of like a a grandiose representation of a person. So she fought in her own way, but she was different than everybody else. And if you look at it, it could be a representation of her fighting against, you know, corruption or death or whatever the case is. But just literally represented as a warrior, not as a, or a paladin or whatever, or whatever you want to call it, but set aside differently with different armor or different anything else. I I wonder if there's any truth to that. I I don't know. But sorry,
2: I I don't either. I just I my point is that there's nothing in Chronicle saying this is a picture of X, and there's nothing about that picture that is like, there's nothing that's really indicative of of it being any specific person, you know, like she's not using a weapon that's familiar immediately upon looking at it. Like, you're not like that's Ash Uh you know, so you can't, you can speculate, but you, there's really not nothing there to give you an idea of who that person is. It's just an Alliance warrior, possibly a like a, a higher ranked one, like leading a group. Like she might be a a commander or a battalion leader or something, because as you point out, her armor is different. Um, She, you know, it would make sense that she'd be wielding a giant weapon and standing up with, with distinctive armor on because she'd want people to see her in order to make her commands to them. But like I said, that's why I like Joanna Blueheart. I don't know if you guys know who Joanna Blueheart is. She came up in cataclysm. Uh, She hasn't really appeared in game since, but she was one of my favorite characters because she's like, you know, when I was a girl, I live, we lived right here. And then the, the orcs came and they destroyed everything. And it was just a really illustrative person for some people. Um, some people have been alive since Warcraft one mm-hmm. and they've, this whole thing has been their life. Like this girl, she was a child when Warcraft one happened. She's grown up into a woman in like her fifties or so. And that this has been her life just fighting the horde constantly, um, fighting over the territory they used to live in fighting over, her home, like her family was wiped out and she's, she's not like even particularly interested in like hating them. Like that's her entire focus is simply on winning. She doesn't care about the morality of it. She doesn't care about hating them. She just cares about winning because that's her job. She's a soldier. She's been a soldier mm-hmm. her whole life. Um, and I liked that character. And of course, since I liked that character, that character has never really appeared again. Um, <laughs> she just appears in like the quests around uh, a and in, the uh, I want to say Swampasaros. Yeah, and the Swampasaros. Uh, and it, it's just interesting to me uh, because at the time, the Swampasaros were part of the Black Morass. Yep. And her her actual village would have been on the, the edge of, of Deadwind. And it, it's just interesting to think about how the area has changed and how it must look to her. Because, like I said, the, the Blasted Lands used to be a gigantic swamp of which the Swampasaros is just a small piece. And now the only part remaining is the Swampasaros. The entire area around uh, the black morass is now a blasted hole um and so yeah i I just she as a character it would be cool if it was her it would make sense if it was her because she has literally been fighting this war her entire life um she would have been in her 20s when the uh the fall of stormwind that led to the beginning of of warcraft 2 because keep in mind warcraft 1 takes place over 10 years yeah like the, the uther is in at one point uther is captured not uther sorry uh uh, Anduin Lothar is captured, and he's kept in the Deadmines for a long time, for years. Um, so that the invasion of the Orcs in Warcraft 1 does not go smoothly. They don't just stomp the Alliance, which doesn't even exist yet. It's just the Kingdom of Stormwind at this point. Uh, it takes years, and they are losing on several times. Um, they managed to pull out a win basically because they had Garona successfully kill Lane, but they were it did not happen overnight. And so she basically went from a child seeing the orcs first come to like a young adult being driven out of Stormwind by the Death Knights and so forth to like a, a hardened warrior in, you know, during the, the, the push against the horde that ultimately led to their defeat at Black Rock Mountain to at who she is when you see her in Cataclysm. She would have, people forget that Stormwind didn't even experience the third war. Yeah. The entire third war happened in Lordaeron it it took place to the north stormwind would have just barely would have been like what the heck is going on when all these refugees started showing up in boats they'd be like what we what mean lordaeron got destroyed and it would have been really strange for them because lordaeron's the place they went when stormwind got destroyed and now lordaeron's destroyed and stormwind is the, the last remaining you know at the time it felt like the last remaining bastion of humanity uh so yeah, I, I think she would be a cool character. I would like it if it was her. I would like it if we saw more of her. But I don't think there's anything in the book that actually tells you who
1: she is. No, and, and unfortunately, I think that's that's the truth of it, is that it's it's a piece of art that is meant to be a, a, evocative of the war. And I think to represent broader strokes of what's happening, they never really mentioned who it is or what it is. And it always sort of struck me as that. it's It reminds me a lot, actually, of, of Eowyn, uh, in basically the Lord of the Rings, uh, if you've watched the movies or read the book, she's uh the one that that got the final blow on the Witch King, and it always sort of it struck me as almost like an homage to that. Like here are all these uh you know warriors around her, wait, fighting this war, going to to battle with these you know monstrosities and devils, and and here she is you know going into a ring wraith, uh, which essentially is what Death Knights kind of are. At that time, like what they were, they, their souls shackled the bodies, uh, not like the current player character death knights. The current player character death knights are are different. Um, they were the original ones were souls and truncheons shoved into corpses hands that reanimated and controlled the dead body. Uh, really weird and and kind of awful and out there, but not too dissimilar to a ringwraith whose soul had been consumed by the, the uh, ring that they had decided to wear for power. Uh, and then you know, basically puppeting around the dead body or the form that they they had in life. So it could be just paying homage to some of the or homage to some of the fantasy art and fantasy writing that's been around for a very long time. Uh, we talk about this a lot. There's a lot of things in in Warcraft too that just take cues from other fantasy uh inspiration. I guess we'll just say like you can go through a lot of the classic stories and you can see where Warcraft is sort of. Picked let up me some just, of those pieces, right?
2: Not, let me just interrupt you for a second because I've always had an idea on how to phrase this. Go for it. World of Warcraft and Warcraft in general as a setting is the setting. It's kind of very similar to somebody's homebrew DD game where, like, every time they see something cool, they put it into World of Warcraft or Warcraft in general. So it starts off a pretty standard orcs versus humans fantasy RTS, but then, you know, somebody watched, like, a, an episode of an anime or something or read a comic book and was like, yeah. And that's why the Titans are all like Kirby crackle characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, Old war feels like an, ep- an issue of Thor um, because Walter Simonson did a really cool run on that in the eighties. And it's pretty sure Chris Metzen read it. So that's, that's what that's Warcraft as a setting. It's very much just, Ooh, what about big steampunk tanks? And Ooh, what about, dead people who are like in truncheons. And what about warlocks doing evil warlocky stuff? And it's just, and you kind of have to love it because it's sort of like a puppy. So sort of like a big giant earnest puppy, that's just every time it comes upon something it thinks is cool, it immediately tries to incorporate it. Yeah. Um. So that's, that's why, you know, you could, you can liken them to ring wraiths or you can basically point out that it's like Warhammer. I, I remember a comic strip from years ago. <laughs> <laughs> where someone was like warhammer wasn't like it's was like a total ripoff of warcraft and and the other guy literally lost his mind because you know <laughs> warhammer was there first and it's very definitely getting ripped off left and right by warcraft i mean it's not they they were trying to make a warhammer game and then at the last minute games workshop was like nah we don't want it yep. so they just turned it into warcraft
1: you can also see that in starcraft too. I'm just gonna throw that out there yeah
2: um, yeah, very, But the StarCraft is actually after they'd already lost. They There was never any chance that StarCraft was going to be Warhammer 40K. But there was a chance that Warhammer would have been a licensed Warhammer game. Mm-hmm. Warcraft would have been a licensed Warhammer game. And had it gone that way, we'd be having a very diff- different discussion right now.
1: Um, we were talking about the so glory is, of Sigmar.
2: <laughs> yeah. But in general, I think it is fascinating to see how the Warhammer influences are there but so are so many others i mean
1: and and let's be clear yeah. we're not we're not saying this is a bad thing right no it's it's it, gonna it's, happen
2: it, I, I just think it's fun that war that warcraft embraces it you know and has and is built kind of a very complicated cosmology out of so many bespoke parts it's just interesting to me
1: yeah and 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 that's part of why like even when you look at the outside stuff like chronicle uh which is outside of the game you look at the comic books you look at Uh, The original TCG, there's a lot of other inspirations that they pull into it that, for lack of a better term, just seem to fit, right? Like it's these pieces of art, pieces of of pop culture, or or pieces of classic literature or whatever the case is, that just sort of fit. That's why way long ago, and and we've talked about not to have too much of a random aside here, but hey, you guys love this anyway, right? Um, Matt and I have talked about this before, and we've definitely talked about it on on Tavern Watch, is – People a lot of people don't remember that there was a tabletop RPG version of Warcraft and it was at its core trying to be D&D but better for the time. And it was trying to take I think it was 3rd edition was when they released or was it
2: 3.5? It's 3rd edition. Yeah. Uh, it's they had actually they put out Warcraft the role-playing game first.
1: Yeah, and that was very yeah. that
2: was very stock 3.0 uh, and then, uh, keep. They, this was like 2003, 2004, they had put that out. And then, of course, World of Warcraft came out, and everyone was like, okay, that's interesting. But And then it blew up, and they were like, oh, okay. So they instead of doing an, another edition of the Warcraft RPG when 3.5 came out, they did World of Warcraft, the role-playing game, yeah. which I've got right over there. I'm looking at it.
1: I have it on my shelf, too.
2: What's really funny about it is... It is actually a really good 3.5R role playing game. Like it, it the, doesn't really feel like wow all that much, but it's actually a surprisingly playable game.
1: But the the reason I bring it up isn't so much to talk about the role playing aspect of it, but it's sort of like this thing where there's a self, there's a there's like a cycle, right? So tabletop role playing games informed World of Warcraft. You can see a lot of that. We know about that from from interviews. We know that there's a lot of of crossover. And when Matt says that it's a, a giant homebrew. D&D game, he's not wrong. It's very clearly that they've, they've made that statement multiple times that that's how it started. And then you look at where the tabletop role-playing game came in, and Warcraft started informing that, because a lot of things that happened in that book fed back into the greater D&D cycle, and we actually have some of that in the fifth edition now, which we can thank to that book. And it's it's this interesting thing where Warcraft, every, every aspect of it, in-game and out-of-game, intersects with so much stuff. Almost everything can be made to fit, but then it also is one of those things where you start talking about some of these these random pieces of art, which I I shouldn't say random, not in a bad way, but like they're things that aren't exactly tied to direct characters, but they're more tied to overarching stories of events. And you start tying in the classic medieval art styles, you start the to to throw in a bunch of the classic fantasy tropes, and you can see where You, somebody who doesn't know about those tropes looks at it and sees, oh, this is Warcraft. And then you look at somebody else who doesn't know Warcraft and looks at it and says, oh, this is Lord of the Rings. And they're not wrong. Neither of them are wrong. And it's a wonderful thing. So to come back to the original point of the question, we don't know if it's targeted at a specific character. Uh, I will guarantee that if it is, it's going to be one that Matt loves and we will never hear from again because that's just the way this works.
2: Yeah. If if I'm into a character, (laughs) forget it.
1: Um, But I think we're going to move on from there. Thank you very much for that question. Our next one comes from Godzilla, a giant radioactive uh, monstrosity and protector of Earth. Uh, Question for Laura. Watch. What if instead of World of Warcraft, it was World of Wrestlecraft? Like you say, every like say every year or so, the Alliance and Horde just settle their differences at Azerothamania. Uh, I mean, all the main faction leaders already have flashy outfits. All they need is some catchy walk-in music. Think about Garrosh and Thrall's Mac Gora would have been 10 times better if it was a wrestling match. Or better yet, Sylvanas versus Tyrande, and then comes Jaina with the steel chair. What would be your ideal WoW wrestling match? The reason I'm including this here isn't so much to talk about wrestling, because I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. There's a really good idea in here and something that I think we've talked about in the past, which is there's a trope that doesn't necessarily get explored all that much on the fantasy side of things, but has to a little bit. It's usually reserved for science fiction, at least in my exposure to it. And Matt can correct me if I'm wrong here in a minute. there's this concept of like a highly evolved set of societies that have put aside their wars because it is no longer beneficial to anyone. In fact, it's mutually destructive, but they still have to partake of uh, some limited resource or something. And in order to determine who gets it or how things are divided, you send representatives to go do battle, whether it's an actual war uh, between individuals, an actual fight or wrestling match or whatever, or a virtual game or, or whatever it is, it doesn't make a difference it has real life consequences. And I can liken this to hunger games, uh, which is probably the most popular one of recent years that you can say where representatives from districts are sent to a, a death match arena where the victor, the, the people that are the champions or the champion brings back a ton of resources for their particular district while the other ones suffer. It, taking yeah, that I'd and sort of taking on that battle,
2: whole concept of the battle Royale thing that comes yeah. from that Japanese movie.
1: You literally called battle Royale. Yeah. Um, but you take a, a softer concept of that, you take a softer version of it where um, – and this is where I'm going to call out League of Legends because that, that was originally the concept for like the game League of Legends was these are champions from their respective uh, city-states and they're doing battle in a controlled arena to settle the differences between the city-states as opposed to all-out war. And th- that's how it originally started. But it's always been an interesting concept of how would that work in Warcraft? Would that be a thing where there's a border Hold on, hold on. Go ahead.
2: I think if you want to talk about how that would work in Warcraft, um, talk about Defense of the Ancients. Yep. Because that's Defense of the Ancients, the the thing that generated the MOBA genre. The reason that Riot is the biggest game company around right now, or one of them anyway, is because of Defense of the Ancients, which was a fan-developed mod
1: for Warcraft
2: Warcraft 3, Reign of Chaos, and the Frozen Throne. And it is very much... It's League of Legends in WoW. I mean, in, in Warcraft before League of Legends existed, before before the actual Dota games existed, and it is a fascinating thing to think about the fact that we kind of had mm-hmm. World of Wrestlecraft as a as a mod. I, I just I'm I'm sitting here thinking about the possibility here of them having done that. You're, you're you're spot on about League itself, and I don't think that that was the Defense of the Ancients wasn't. It didn't have that kind of justification. It didn't have a story it, with it. Yeah, right. but it was just, you know, instead of it being, you know, war, war gaming units, it was, you just created the heroes. Uh, and you just, it, it was very much like a uh, strain to the ancients from, uh, war, from Wrath of Lich King mm-hmm. in terms of how it played. Uh, and that's kind of fascinating too. I, I don't really know exactly how to, to think about this concept. Uh, cause it, when, first off, the, when Joe started talking about the first thing that happened to me is I started remembering that old episode of star Trek where they showed up at a planet and they were like, oh, Hey, um, our computer tallies, your ship is being hit by an attack by our enemies. So could you guys all teleport down here and, and let us murder you? And Kirk in the end destroys their computer so that they might actually have to go back to fighting a war. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, you've made war comfortable. You've made war something that you can just, you know, people die from it and nobody sees the horror or nobody sees the blood. Nothing gets blown up. I've given you back war. And so that's what this reminds me of. If you have this wrestling thing in, in WoW, if you have this wrestling thing in Warcraft, you're very definitely heading into a situation where they instead of having wars, they're just murdering each other in, in rings. Would that be better? I don't know. It's interesting though. Um, imagine if we just had Garrosh fight variant. Uh, instead of all that that stuff we went through in Cataclysm and, and, uh, and uh, Mr. Pandaria. If the two of them had just gotten into a ring and fought, what would have happened? Other than Garrosh having his head removed, because that's what would have happened. He would have died horribly. Um, because he wasn't fighting an older guy who was like you know trying to stop him while he had a poisoned axe. He would have been fighting a seasoned gladiator, because Varian had se- was like a seasoned gladiator. He had gladiatorial experience. Which Garrosh didn't. Mhm, mm-hmm. and this is not me taking anything away from garage
1: no garage was an accomplished uh, accomplished warrior oh, in his own right yeah, yeah, but he wasn't a gladiator there's, a, there's exactly. a huge difference there
2: there's a big difference it, what you're talking about with world of wrestlecraft it, it depends on how seriously they went with it like are we talking about like an actual thing with like where they cut promos on each other and <laughs> they don't actually try to kill each other because like i don't know if you guys know but wrestlers aren't trying to kill each other <laughs> like they, they're not actually trying to hurt each other out there. A lot of them, like the people that have the greatest feuds, oftentimes they're like perfectly amenable to each other when they're not on camera
1: or sometimes they're lifelong best friends.
2: Yeah. I mean, so that's all, you know, are we going that far? Cause if I would be totally down for a completely alternate world where they, that's where we're going with this and just Im- imagine the heroes of the storm skins you could have had. Oh yeah. Like, you know, Luch- luchador garage.
1: 100 Um, percent 100 percent
2: sunshine variant you know he'd be like i'm the best you know look at these pythons well not pythons because that's a that's a slogan they jake the snake call but you get where i'm going with on the other hand you could also take it serious like you could make a serious Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. idea about this concept of we're not going to have these giant wars anymore uh, when we have a dispute, we're each gonna we're gonna use the macgora rules. Like, imagine if the orcs actually suggested that to the humans. They're like, "Look, why don't instead of us murdering each other in groups, we'll we'll have this, we'll have these competitions." And the orcs suggest it because they figure the humans will say no because orcs are bigger and stronger than humans. And then the humans say yes, and next thing you know, you've this thing's happening, and these fights are for real. Like they determine things. Like this particular fight between these two people. Is going to decide who gets this city yep. and its resources. And so now there's a whole ton of back and forth. There's like, you know, people trying to poison the other person. There's like a lot of intrigue. But they don't have armies fighting any. That that is there's an interesting story to be told here. But I don't I don't think it would work as something to just introduce into Warcraft now. Or War. you know what I mean?
1: Or what I was going to say, this is what I was thinking about it. Like it is not just because of that. And I think it's a good concept of, of like some interesting, uh, but I got to before
2: I want to let you go, Go but I just got to say, I really want to see them cut promos. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. No, 100%. 100%. Uh, Again, Grayman is macho man. If I've ever heard, if I've ever heard anything. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) Snap into a slim Jim. I was going to say snap into a worgen. Um, Yeah. there, there could introduce this concept in a small scale, too. And I thought it would be interesting. Matt and I talked about this a while ago where we get our vacation expansion, where we explore more of Azeroth. Because there's been this thing where we possibly have not seen all of the land masses and all of the world of Azeroth itself. Uh, as a matter of fact, they've they've sort of gone back and forth on this over the course of years. Go through Alduar and look at the the, the spheres that are floating there. Look at the globes. Um, and when originally the planet was rotating in the Argus fight, um, or when you were in space, there was like... They changed some of it and cloud-covered some of it because there were landmasses there that didn't actually exist. They weren't Kelm or they weren't the Eastern Kingdoms. They weren't Northrend. And people were starting to ask what they were, and, and they don't think they have a plan for it yet. But... What if you came across a, an island nation or, or a continent of nations where this is how they've dealt with things, where they learned a long time ago that instead of fighting these huge wars that just decimate populations, we have – quarterly bouts or whatever to determine who gets access to this important thing for, for three, four months or, or whatever length of time. And then we do it again and we do it again. And it is something that's real. And and like Matt saying, where there's, there's intrigue, the people that are competing are competing, not just for themselves and their people, but like they could die. And that, that is a very real possibility that there's still a blood price to be paid uh, as a way of honoring the fact that there used to be entire nations going to war for like this magic macguffin over here and this is the compromise this is this is and how they've know, turned it down and they could do something like that on a smaller scale
2: yeah well plus i mean if you think about it this is what the argent tournament was or at least it was what it was intended to be yes yep. because they were they were having the alliance and the horde both there and they were both providing teams and they were you know it's essentially gladiatorial combat it's it's essentially that it's 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 a tournament it's jousting it's the medieval version Mm -hmm. and they could bring that back imagine that would actually be kind of cool if like you still like you don't have to make the entire game about this but you could definitely have like a holiday or something where it's like they get, you know, the Alliance and Horde both get gr- come together along with other factions that are neither the Alliance or the Horde. And they enter into this games thing. And one of the games things is effectively like the Pankration from the ancient Olympics. Like, you know, they, they just have straight up bare knuckle punching each other in the head competitions that monks are not allowed to join because y'all cheat. You already know how to do this. Everybody else is doing it this time. Sorry. not monks can be, it. but you know <laughs> what I'm getting at? Like you could, you could totally, and if you wanted to, you could make at least some of it, the fun fake over the top TV wrestling type stuff if you wanted to. I'm not saying that it's fake in terms of like those those are real people getting out and getting hurt because wrestling is incredibly dangerous. Oh yeah, and phys- physically taxing. I just mean that it's scripted. And I know there's they, a, they know I, I know there's win. a
1: couple of wrestlers that listen to our podcast, so we we understand you, we 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 hear yeah. you, we see you, we we, we appreciate know that you
2: this is we we know that this is real and physically dangerous. It's just it's scripted. That's just a fact that they, they've admitted this in Congress. Um, that it's sports entertainment. It's not like an actual. You know, competition because it's scripted, and that's that doesn't make it safe. A lot of people think, "Oh, it's, it's all fine, dude." He's not, he's really bleeding. Like, I I don't I don't think you people, understand that. People that take person shots is and people
1: get injured for for real. Like, it's, yeah,
2: it is it is for it is not fake in that regard. <laughs> so, I I feel like that's important because people die.
1: I, I yes, and,
2: and people often like treat it like it's nothing. It's like no, th- this is serious. They they deserve a lot better than they get
1: all that to clarify that we we appreciate that that it is a very real thing and don't want to just make light of it of saying oh in the game they can actually hurt themselves no 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 we understand that that happens in real life we're just trying to contextualize oh, yeah. it for people that's all
2: but but it would be interesting to like actually you, you could take it in, the, in a bunch of different ways you could make it into like actual like you know wrestling matches like pankration like the the actual ancient olympics which by the way if you ever looked that stuff up they were killing each other like they were not that wasn't subtle. And that wasn't even for anything. Like you your your city winning the Olympics didn't get you anything. You didn't like become more powerful as a result. It was purely bragging rights. Mm-hmm. And they still went and did it and they murdered each other. Like it, you died in the pancrashion all the time. One guy won the pancrash and then died immediately after. Like the guy he beat survived. He died, but he won the fight. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody saw it, like, oh, yeah, he just totally kicked that guy's ass, but then he, he killed over and died from his injuries. And that could be done in Warcraft 2. And it, like you could have so many different ways of doing it. I really would like to see an expansion where they try something else other than large-scale battles and, to solve their disputes.
1: And the, the best thing is, is, like, the game world itself reinforces it. We have things that do this. The and and... And other cultural phenomena exist for this already. The gnomes already have this as well. You go to Mechagon. One of the first things you have is a a battle bots arena, which is essentially nothing more than this.
2: It's battle bots. It's just not, instead of you going out and fighting, your creation does.
1: Yeah, but so like and- this is a concept that a lot of the cultures already have. You could work this in, and it would fit with the lore just fine. E- like it might even be easier than All Out Warfare. Sorry, please go ahead, Matt. No, I, I think we're on the same page. I think that's
2: basically what I was going to say. It's, it's just, you could have different versions of it. Like, you could have, imagine if, if the gnomes and the goblins actually managed to come to a working arrangement on how to do a BattleBots arena. Oh, God. And you have fantastic. some, Sign me up. Go, some, yeah, some horrific goblin con- construct coming in. It's all chainsaws and way. B- it's like, that thing's a death machine. Well, how's that little tiny Roomba thing going to beat it? And the Roomba thing just goes. And boom, it blows up and takes out the uh, or, goblin thing. They, they or, were like, oh, I didn't you, see that coming,
1: or you do it like Gundam G or Gundam Seed, where like you know, the, you have people in it and it's a, it's basically just giant robots fighting. Because so yeah. one happens to be a, a mech that that's been designed by a goblin, and one happens to be a mech that's designed by uh, 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 um, uh, wow, why can't I think of the gnome. name of the gnome? Uh, we already had that in Battle for Azeroth, we have that canonically established.
2: Yeah, you could totally do all Me- sorts of stuff. Heck, the Brawlers Guild exists. Ma- imagine if it actually gets co- like co-opted.
1: Oh, yeah. You could actually so, have
2: it become something semi-official.
1: And, and here's one of the, here's one of my like pie-in-the-sky things. And I, it will never happen, but I think it's hilarious. Um I am huge into Blood Bowl as a board game. It's one of my favorites. But they have this thing in this world where it's like it's fantasy versions of our modern day equivalents of stuff. And one of the things they have is something called Cabal Vision. And it's literally crystal ball network so that everybody can watch the games across the world because they, in this world, they don't have war anymore. They literally just have deadly rugby and teams of the races go and compete there. But they broadcast it to this world. I would love to see like mages sitting there with like their crystal balls, like flying around the the, the Brawler's Guild, broadcasting this to like Jumbotron crystal balls and or scrying mirrors. That floating head of
2: of Cadgar is the color yes. announcer? <laughs> yes. uh,
1: yeah that that's what Cadgar has been doing this entire time. Oh my! <laughs> it appears that the the orcish hero did not see that top
2: rope coming.
1: I did not expect to see brass knuckles come out of sight of other brass knuckles, Jim. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's so much they can do with this to make it like impactful and 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 story driven, sure, but also have fun with it. And that's one of the things that like I think an idea like this can do is is introduce the ingenuity and fun of of the races and the the cultures of Azeroth. Like Matt was pointing out, like there's so many things you could do, and the players might just find fun. Like you can do stuff like this and just have a blast. And, like, at the end of the day, even though I love the story of this game, I still want to have fun. So, if, if you're going to yeah, tell me, I, hey, champion, you're like- going to go wrestle this other champion. What, what what outfit do you want? Give me a lucha mask and give me tights and make sure that they are stretchy tights and I will go.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, there, there's, I, I feel like a little bit, some of the, there was some goofy fun in some previous expansions that we've kind of lost. Like, not not that this is not necessarily a bad thing. I like that Warcraft has a pretty epic story, but sometimes I miss like the like and even in Cataclysm, the expansion where the world was getting blown up. There's a quest that's basically three drunks out in the in the boondocks, you know, out in the badlands telling you a ridiculous tall tale about Deathwing. Mm-hmm. And you see the whole thing and it's it is goofy as, you know, as heck, but it's still fun. And you could put stuff in that's not meant to be taken super seriously. And, and it would be good. It would be good to have that. And uh, I have to admit too that. I'm also kind of deliberately burning a little time here. Cause I don't feel, feel like we really have time to do another question. So <laughs> that's why I did that. I'll, I'll be upfront, but I do think it would be cool to, to like really sit down and think about like, let's do some kind of side thing. That's, that's not, it's not like, you know, look at all these dead people at the end of it. Like we've had the, the the battle for you know, the destruction of, of Darnassus and the destruction of Lordaeron were really heavy.
1: The the entire last two expansions have been, have been well, yeah, three heavy. expansions really have been very heavy.
2: It, with Legion, you know, you don't even only really have time to think about how heavy it is because every moment is they're they're going to destroy the world. We got to do something. They're going to destroy the world. Then you get into battle for Azeroth and it's just like, couldn't we have had a break? Have, we just had that whole, no, we're going to fight each other again. All right.
1: And and there's something to, to say about that too in in not the cultures and races of Azeroth at some point are going to turn around and we've already started to see this happen with the council with the alliance starting to to like dissolve a little bit not I'm not going to say dissolve because we don't know the fate yet but oh, but there's definitely strain there There's definitely strain but they're tired they're worn out this is the first time I think we've actually seen like entire nation is just like, look, we're done. We've, we've been, we've been sprinting at top speed for, for 14, 15, 16, 17 years. It's been nonstop. We have not had peace. We just need a break. We just need to stop. Like you can go do what you need to do. I don't want to deal with you. It's not peace. It's just, I'm too tired. And we're starting to see a little bit of that creep in where, where that's exactly what's slowing them down instead of continued warfare. And that's the perfect time to start to explore alternatives because during that time frame, even though it's from exhaustion, it can be a catalyst for change and it can be a catalyst for uh, ret- like introspection, right? How are we dealing with things? Why are we doing this? Do we ever consider that there's a different way to do it? And it's an opportunity for something that I've been asking for selfishly for many many years is when are we going to have a moment to actually stop and think of everything we've done and i'm kind of hoping that post shadowlands we get that moment we get that that moment where all the the faction leaders the champions step back and just like how did we get here because we have I, i say this a lot we make a lot of messes we rarely ever clean them up we are the solution to and cause of all of our own problems but we never stop to think before we act. We just go and do. And I would love to see us take a step back before anything else happens again. And I know something else is going to happen. We know that's just the nature of it. That's just kind of how things are in this universe. And somehow we are always at the center of it, but I'd love that brief respite. I'd love that time where, you know, my, my Valpara is sitting down next to an elf and be like, look, I'm really sorry. This was terrible. Uh, Uh, here's a drink. I'm sorry. Like, and like sitting there and talking about what can we do that we don't fight this again, that we don't come to blows again, that we don't murder each other again. Is there a way we can fix this? And I would love to start to see that start to move forward because I think we've reached that point of the story. We've reached that point where the horde's been around for so long. The Alliance has been around for so long now that all these nations are, are they have to deal with each other, but how do you do it without breaking down into just pure animosity at this point. And I'd love to start to see them work towards sustainable solutions. And I know that's probably the, some people are going to be out there. Well, that's not fun. It can be, it can be a masterclass in storytelling if they do it. right.
2: Plus, I mean, you know, it just doesn't, it defies reason after a while that they just keep fighting. Like, why do you keep doing this? It doesn't work. It's like, you know, it, what's the old saying? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting, expecting different, different results. Income. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's time to try something else, guys, because this ain't working. This ain't it chief. You know what I mean? That's the whole <laughs> saying, but yeah.
1: And maybe I, that I, answer, maybe that answer is world of Russellcraft. Who knows? Maybe,
2: or at least, you know, we could have a wrestling mini game for a they, quest or something. And I'll they already we
1: have the tights in game. Canonically, there are two or there are three wrestling suit items in game that turn you into a luchador and give you items. It was during Mr. Pandero when they introduced the monks. I forgot what holiday it was, but it is there. There are the wrestling is canonical to World of Warcraft. Just throwing it out there. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad free site experience. Uh, again, I do want to give a big shout out and a thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we literally cannot do these shows without you. Uh, and our recent Patreon drive was successful. Uh, we got a lot of new supporters. So if you're listening to this early, thank you very much. Uh, and and
2: if you want to hear your name, read, we do that on the blizzard watch podcast. Yes. Um, we're going to try and make Joe do it a funny voice this week. So, you know, stay tuned.
1: I I have been working on characters to do this in actually because I've been making D&D characters like it's going out of fashion because that's what I do when I'm bored. And then once one gets its way into my brain, I start creating voices for them. So I'll start reading them as different characters. I have zero problem with this, but you have to be uh, you have to be uh, one of our Patreon supporters to find out and get your name read. Uh, But thank you very much, folks. And as a reminder, all of us at Blizzard Watch stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard in demanding change for a better working environment and a safer tomorrow. We'll see you next week.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.